All right, Boz, here we go. The topic today, your friend and mine, sprinting. And specifically, uh, just let's say the general question is, sprinting, even if people do understand that it's important, there uh, is a fair segment of the population that just kind of stops at a certain age. They might still jog, but the sprinting stops. Uh, A lot of the times that I hear this come my way, it's fear of a pulled or strained hamstring or, Mm -hmm. hey, the last two times that I did a sprint day on both those times, my hammy didn't feel well. And then I just decided to hang it up. And when, to be fair, when I say I hear this from people of a quote unquote certain age, <laughs> that I think yeah, is what people. Is that, what does that mean, Pat? I think that's people my age, quite frankly. Most of the time when I learn mm. about these people, they're in their 40s. So it's, it's, I guess, exactly my demographic. So the question becoming should these people never sprint again? Is there a workaround that they can find? And maybe while we'll get there, maybe the first thing we can touch on is why even sprint in the first place? Why is that something that someone yeah. would want to work into their physical training? Well, as always, Pat, I'm definitely of the opinion that once something starts going south, you should just jettison it and never pursue it again. <laughs> uh, so end of story there. But no, of course not. I think that uh, like all things, there are ways to approach certain problems that are appropriate given your training age and and your physical age. And there's going to be ways of approaching things that are probably not going to set you up for success. And sprinting is holding your hand very high, uh, very close to the flame, so Mm, to speak. mm -hmm. And so if you're not careful, yeah, it can burn you, but that's true at any age. And I think that if we get right down to it and we talk about sprinting as a concept, for whatever reason, people seem to kind of decouple it in their mind from a maximum effort as they would for something like weightlifting. And mm-hmm. it's absolutely in the same ballpark. You know, it's, it's rare that you would have somebody with experience step into the gym, load up 600 pounds on the bar, not really take their warm up seriously and say, okay, I'm going to try to front squat this for a triple. Right, that, right. That's nonsense. Most people would tell you that's a terrible idea. You got to ramp up to that weight. You got to spend your time getting there. It might take you 20 minutes before you get to that true top end effort. And that just is accepted as normal. However, when it comes to sprinting, people will just come in, do a couple of leg swings, and then hit the ground running and expect the wheels <laughs> not to fall off the bus. So, problem I, number I've one. I've absolutely been guilty of that. <laughs> Problem number one is is upstairs and not classifying sprinting as truly the maximum effort that it needs to be or should be. Because it, really it demands what you're trying some to do, respect. Absolutely. Yeah. Really what you're trying to do is so similar to, you know, a high effort weightlifting uh, uh, rep scheme in my mind. It's it's maximum contraction in minimal time. That is what you're doing when you're sprinting. And, and it's, so it's, a, it's as absurd as walking into the gym, like you're saying, that your one rep yeah. max deadlift is on the ground. You're like, oh, let me just go ahead and give this tug, see how it goes. Yeah, just, just kick off the jeans and, uh, and go for it. Yeah, no, yes, correct. So that's a young man's game to get in there and expect nothing bad to happen with a minimal ramp up period to a truly grueling max effort. So number one is take a look at what you're doing from a warm-up standpoint and determine if it's actually appropriate for the level of intensity that you're going to bring to the activity. Because sprinting is as high intensity as it gets. 
can you hold on to whatever your next point is and, and yes. remember it if I, if I come I'll back? I'll do my best. Because while you're talking warm-ups, I might as well jump into my little warm-up uh, train as well. Yeah. Because I, in 16 years or so of CrossFit, uh, I've really only strained my hamstring twice, which is pretty okay. good in 16 years. So, you know, I'll yeah. take those odds. Both were on 10 by 100 meter dash days. <laughs> and, and both were, if I'm being fair and honest, they were not the programming's fault. It was me, hmm. my life, my schedule, and me thinking that I've got enough fitness under my belt that I can kind of get out there and, you know, sprint one, two, and three, I'll do it 50 to 70%. And then I can be good on sprint four. And I, every single time it was around sprint seven out of 10 that I got this, like, it, it wasn't a pull, but like it balled up. And I was like, oh, it kinda, you, you had to hop oh, on one leg. And I was like, oh, no. And I relaxed for a week and it went away and I took care of myself. And I've done that twice. And I've sprinted a tremendous amount of times uh, before and after mm -hmm. that. And on those days are the ones that I actually did a warm up as I should. And everything went beautifully and again not to use myself as an n of one i understand that's not the best thing in the world but i think that story plays out and i could almost i could almost liken this to a heavy day since you use the heavy day analogy and we've beat this yeah. drum a lot but i think it plays very well which is when we've we've said if you're trying to sneak in a quick heavy day into an hour session with two other things and i'm going to give you 10 minutes to build up to a heavy one rep of something if you get away with it, you're lucky, but you're not going to get away with it forever. To do it for real takes a long time because of the rest mm -hmm. you need, the general warm-up. Then you have to build up to your working sets. I would treat a sprint day the exact same way. If you do it right, you're going to need a really long period of time to warm up and to prepare your body. And then you have to rest between these intervals to really make oh. them as you would on a heavy day, like a high-intensity maximal thing. So it can't be something that can be rushed and done well. And, and I'm speaking from experience of having made that knucklehead mistake myself. And, and I've learned everyone might have their warmth that works well. And there's a bunch out there and a simple Google search will, will yield a bunch. But I've found for my hamstrings anyway, on top of like the regular stuff that maybe people do, uh, banded march works really well mm -hmm. for me to light up my backside. Glute bridges even without a barbell, I'll just get down on the ground and I'll put one foot on the ground to have one foot off the ground and do about 10 reps on each side. And those will light up my glutes and hamstrings as well. Hip extensions on the good old GHD, some jumping jacks or single unders or double unders to get the calves going, uh, you know, on top of regular stuff, that stuff really treats me really well. And then almost like a person would do practice rounds every now and then if they wanted to see how a workout feels. If I got to do 10 by 100 meter sprints, that first one is my first one because I've allowed myself to do five to seven kind of gently ramping up, you know, and taking the rest time I need before that to build up. So that now when I'm ready to go, just like if it was my first working set on a seven by one deadlift day, I've pulled some deads before I did my actual mm -hmm. first seven by one. Yep. It's kind of the same day on a sprint day for me. So that's kind of my, my warm up uh, chat right there. Yeah. And that's a big point that I had written down on my little board here is, you know, more time to warm up for these efforts. I could not 
agree more. I think that is critical. Uh, and an easy litmus, I mean, you, you made some great recommendations there for specific movements to do. I would agree with all of those choices. Uh, I think those are awesome to throw into the mix. Um, I also think that if you need something that's a little bit more of a general guideline, don't start your first effort until you've broken a sweat and you're breathing a little bit heavy. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you need to be post-Fran, out of breath, fatigued. That's not what we're going for. But yeah, right. you should be you should be physically warm to the point of sweating, and um, you know a little bit out of breath. Let yourself recover your wind, so to speak, and then you can start those sets. But until you've reached that point, you've got no business putting the hammer down and attempting that all out sprint effort. And and if you potentially, as we all are guilty of every now and then, been neglecting these days or biasing your training, if you quote unquote sprint once a quarter because somebody <laughs> guilts you into <laughs> yeah. doing it, you're not setting yourself up for success either. Correct. You know, you're going to yeah. be out of sorts, out of a pad, not quite sure how to warm up. Your body's not used to that stimulus if it's happening once a quarter, something like that. So as much as you would regularly touch these other movements. You know, we mentioned the heavy days that people understand the benefit, the potential, how potent they are, how uh, beneficial they are for athleticism that they certainly would never even contemplate neglecting them. Uh, I would love for people to, to put sprinting in that same kind of pot, if you will. Yeah. yeah, and to expand on something you said earlier, you know, a sprint effort needs to be held in its own kind of mind frame where the effort is short, it is not going to produce a lot of general fatigue in and of itself. The accumulation of multiple sprints could do that, but one in and of itself is not going to do that, nor should it be the goal. And the goal certainly shouldn't be to, quote, make it harder by condensing the rest period mm -hmm. and making this into a more general conditioning session. That's not the idea. If that's the case, just do a workout that is more focused on the middle ground and, and do your sprints some other time. But the sprint, like the heavy lift, should be held in kind of a pure aspect if you really want to get the most benefit out of it. And, and that kind of segues me to my next point, which is thinking about the concept of sprinting. And most people, it seems like, especially during this conversation, the thrust is sprinting on foot. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing a short foot race. 100 meter dash, 200, 400, maybe even up to like an 800. But that's kind of the realm that we're talking about. And it's important to remember, especially for older athletes or athletes that have injuries or aren't as flexible as they used to be, whatever, there are plenty of other ways that you can get a really awesome sprint effort in that have nothing to do with running. You know, the, the air bike, I think, is one of the best. And, and in my opinion, that is one of the best applications of the air bike is a hard sprint effort and on that particular piece of equipment it's not going to beat you up too much physically even though it's going to be a very difficult thing to do so you've got lots of options there the rower is another great one um you know sprints on the row uh the row machine can be awesome uh very similar effect so that's another big one and then getting beyond that um i think that there's other applications that give a sprint like effect that people forget about things like jumping mm -hmm. and not repeated effort, you know, thousand box jumps in a workout. There's a time for that, but I'm talking about two to three reps at a difficult jump, either for height or distance, lots and lots of rest in between repeat that effort. There's a million different variations of that that you could do that, um, 
give you a very similar effect to sprinting. Olympic lifting is also another great proxy for sprinting, um, as is throwing and different variations of that. So, you know, sprinting, uh, yes, it, it does refer to a specific thing, but physiologically, there's a bigger umbrella of activities that kind of mirror it in terms of trying to produce maximum effort and maximum intensity and minimum time frame for that movement. So it's important not to forget that. You hit a couple things that I had written down and and I think you're spot on. And one of them is the air bike. You know, if if oh, we're yeah. talking about somebody that just, hey, you know, I would love to make an argument with somebody, a, a case as to maybe how they could work foot sprinting in and give them a couple things yep. to try. And if it works, awesome. I think it's one of those things where, like you said, there are some fantastic proxies that you can do. Mm-hmm. But there is something special uh, about a foot sprint that I think if you can do it, you know, and if something like a 10 by 100 meter dash as a workout of the day doesn't seem enough or you're not quite sure what the value is, I would have to say you haven't done one in a while or you haven't really totally done agree. it the way that it goes yeah. down. Because if you actually execute a 10 by 100 meter dash day, you know, as if the devil is chasing you you are going to feel <laughs> your glutes and hamstrings as if you did, you know, miserable sets of 10 on the back squat or the deadlift, but yet you never touched a weight. You'll be astonished mm-hmm. at how much muscle recruitment and explosive power is happening there. And your midline, your abs will be sore. Mm-hmm. You, you will discover abs Obliques. you didn't know that you had. <laughs> and you will yeah, wonder. Every, every time I sprint, sorry to interrupt you, but every no. time I sprint the next day, I am always shocked at how sore my obliques <laughs> yes. are. It doesn't matter how long it's been since I've sprinted last. I, I always seem to forget that and then yes. rudely reminded of it one, <laughs> after the session is 100%. done. 100%. It is one of those things, again, that if we can find a way for it to be worked into an athlete's life, I think the benefits are tremendous. And I would say if you're not sprinting, you're leaving money on the table. And it's one of those yeah, things for sure. where several other things are a great proxy for it, for sure. But sprinting is sprinting, and it, and it is a bit of a user-to-lose-it kind of a thing. Even if you're mm-hmm. out running and jogging and doing mixed-modality workouts, and you're doing Helen and Nancy and all these things, where running is a significant part of those workouts, it's still markedly different than a dedicated sprint day. And all you need to do is go watch like an adult soccer league where you're going to see some people just like sprinting around that haven't sprinted in quite some time, but they're all keeping up with their fitness and jogging. And you just, you can hear the hamstrings going on the field. My wife actually (laughs) played in an an adult soccer league a couple of years ago. And I sat there on the sidelines and it was like a reality TV show. It was unbelievable. So you've got to, you know, if, even if you're fit and active and moving your body, the short time domain, high intensity power, it's just tough to replicate unless you're actually doing yeah. that. And, uh, and almost the shorter, the better too, right? I mean, you can run hard mm-hmm. for a mile. You can certainly make an 800 meter sting, 400 meter, et cetera, et cetera. But, but don't neglect, and I think more crossfitters should embrace even the shorter ones, the 200s, the 100s, yep. and even you know the 50s or a 40. There's so much there that if you can get after it, you should. And and I agree with what you said. Given between the bike and the rower, if I could only take one mm. to replicate a sprint day, 
and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think you said the bike. I would lean towards the bike as well, especially if you're doing like a, a 10 to 15 second effort. Like you can just spin yep. the bike up so much faster than you can spin the exactly, rower up yep. that you can get a lot of that punch. So, so like I said, I'd love to give you, you know, based upon what you said, I said, these warm up tips, you know, give the day the respect it deserves, you know, get into it, make sure you're sprinting enough. It's not once a quarter. And if it works in your life, great. But if not, and you're like, I don't care what you guys say, you're both knuckleheads, I'm never actually foot sprinting again, <laughs> then I'm going to be with you 100%. If you get yourself on the air bike, you can you can really get in some good work there. Absolutely. And, you know, on the train of, hey, it's good to get a foot sprint in there, a running sprint, uh, but maybe the flat ground is going to be a little bit too unforgiving. Mm-hmm. at a certain point there's a few steps that you can use to make that same sprint effort happen on foot but not necessarily the same impact and two of my favorites they're similar to one another uh, but find a big hill and run up it and then walk back down rest nice. and repeat i mean it's devastatingly difficult it won't take very many efforts before you're like okay i've had enough Uh, And it's much easier on the body than a flat ground sprint can be. And similarly, sprinting stairs can have a a, a very, very similar effect. Um, You can get a lot of really great work done. It's very, very similar to that flat ground physiologically, uh, but it doesn't take the same kind of impact to get the job done. So find something that's on an incline, get after it, walk down take a breather and repeat. And uh, that can usually be a little bit nicer. Stairs and hills, I, 100%. Yep. Back in the day, I used to live in Aptos, California. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's familiar with that area, there are these stairs down to the Aptos beach that I don't know how many steps there are, but they're steep and there's a lot of them. And there was within walking distance of where I lived. And I would try to make it a point to walk down there once a week and just hit the stairs. And if you haven't if you haven't sprinted stairs you you've got a whole lot of uh, fitness waiting for you something i some, uh, oh good uh, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an anecdote back we <laughs> i remember one time years ago doing a seminar at the crossfit ranch and um it was myself i know miranda oldroyd was there uh, oldroyd at the time alcarez now um who else was there? I think Gabe Subri and maybe Pat Barber. So uh, a real cast of characters from the old school. Some fit a lot individuals. Of and Gabe Subri too. Yes, absolutely. And no quit. That guy's tough. He's very mm-hmm. mentally tough. Uh, anyway, we decided at lunch we were going to do a sprint workout, and it was based on you know individual ability. And so it was really simple. We started the timer on the first sprint. Like one, we warmed up, got ready to go. Okay, everybody's ready. Great. We all started on the line. And the first sprint was just a 20-second effort. How far can you make it up the hill? And then walk back down. And I can't remember how many times we repeated it, five or eight times or whatever. And that 20-second mark that you made, that was your finish line every time. And the goal was, you know, everybody had their unique finish line based on how good they were at that hill sprint. So it kind of kept it consistent as far as an ability level was concerned. Uh, And that was really fun. And I remember just being crushed after that sprint effort and i had to come back in and give a demonstration for the lecture <laughs> i think it was a uh, the overhead lifts lecture the presses lecture that i was demoing for and i thought i was going to pass
pass out. I was <laughs> so dizzy and oxygen deprived. <laughs> That's it. It was one of those, uh, can I do this? But I made it through it and uh, it worked out, but absolutely got the job done with just a couple of hill sprints done at a good effort. So worth your time. But, you know, sprinting is one of those things that if you are willing to go there, you can truly bring a level of intensity that's that's tough to replicate in some other yep. um, endeavors. And you just mentioned one. I'll throw myself under the bus now with a story that almost ended my life through sprinting <laughs> and competition. And this was at an old, uh, back when I was on, on staff, an old level one, uh, it was a bit of seminar staff meeting down in San Diego, hmm. you know, and I think, you know, Castro had organized some, like a long beach run, a workout, and it ended with uh, everyone down at the bottom, some, a set of air squats happening, and then a sprint up an oh, inclined trail this. to a parking lot. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know how many times we did it. It beats me. I can't remember. But I remember uh, lining up and standing next to me was Nicole Carroll. And, you know, there's a bunch of other capable athletes all around. I knew that she was going to be a beast at the air squats, whatever number that we had to do. I told myself, I've got to get ahead of her on the air squats because she's so fast that, you know, I, I don't want her to get that lead. And then every now and then, you know, in my knucklehead days, I'm like, I am going to try to kill myself in this sprint. Like, I'm just going to think, this is it. I'm going to make a statement. This is a statement piece. And so we did it. It wasn't a big set of air squats. It was like 20. Hmm. And then we took off. I mean, like we were shot out of a cannon. And I went at a reckless pace. and. I don't know, you know, where I placed, but I emptied my own personal tank going up this hill. <laughs> and I wish we had a, a physician there. I don't know what happened. And I don't know if you recall this, you're probably caught up with your own life. I did something to myself. I don't know what it was, but I could not talk. I could not lower my heart rate. And I actually laid down in the parking lot, like under, the, like underneath someone's truck for the shade. <laughs> Like I was laying down and I, it ruined the rest of my day. Like it took me uh, a, a profoundly long time to recover from just the effort of a maximal effort sprint with like oh, a yeah. competition element involved. And dude, it, it messed me up like, and it was just 20 air squats and a hill sprint. That's it. Yep. That's all it was. But anyway, so that's, um, I digress, but I would say also you know, getting back to the nature of this question, which is I'm potentially at that age or scared about pulling a hamstring or whatever it happens to be like, I get all that. Trust me, I really do. Nobody wants to get tweaked and then not work out properly for a month mm -hmm. or two. That's not fun. But here's something else I would just encourage people to look at this maybe in a different way, because we are using the term sprinting, which by itself makes somebody think of like a maximal effort sort of a deal. However, if we get back to just like classic variance, right? Classic variance being somebody looks at what you're doing and then identifies what you're not doing or some holes in your game, maybe. And it's like, hey, I, I, I deadlift all the time. And then you realize that they only deadlift for sets of 10. You're like, oh, wow, we're going to mm -hmm. throw in some ones, threes, and fives. And you've got a whole bunch more fitness that's not even tapped into yet because you're neglecting something. So maybe let's just say full out maximum effort, 100 meter dashes are too much for a particular athlete. Okay, fine. Well, if what you're doing on a regular basis, the only running that you're doing is either long, slow distance, 5Ks and 10Ks, which let's not kid ourselves, most CrossFitters aren't doing it, 
and but the other running you're doing is in Helen or Nancy or something like that. Well, most of that running in a workout, relatively speaking to whatever any athlete's top speed is, is pretty darn slow compared to their top mm. speed, like what you're going to do the 400 in Jack in um, Helen. And let's just say, and I, I haven't crunched the numbers on this, let's just say it's 50%, whatever your actual real true max is. Well, then I would make an effort, an argument that anything above 50% is something that you don't do. And there's probably some benefit right. there. So don't think that you need to go now to 100% and be Usain you know, Bolt on this next time you do 10 by 100 meters. If you just went out and did them all at 70%, that would be something your body's not used to doing. It would be a pace you're not used to doing, a speed you're not used to doing. There's going to be benefit there. And if you allow yourself to stay there until you're comfortable and you start to adapt a little bit, well, then 75 or 80 percent is going to be great. You don't have mm -hmm. to go to 100, you know, turn up to 11, you know, right away. You, you don't need to do that because most runs that happen in a mixed modality, multiple round workout, sadly, uh, I think are treated by a lot of people as this is my period to recover. So that when I go yep. back into the gym, I'm a barbell hero and I impress all my friends because I did the barbell mm -hmm. work on Brogan. Then I'll run as slow as I need to, to be a barbell hero again. Well, then I'm not shocked that your barbell yeah. stuff seems to be getting better on a regular basis and your run's not. And you could also flip that on its head every now and then in the wonderful pursuit of variance and really push the pace on the run and then allow yourself to come back in so out of breath that you're going to break up that barbell movement that you normally would do unbroken. That in and of itself will be a different stimulus, a different feel, a different exposure. And by the very nature of that's not what you typically do, there's going to be value in some adaptation there. And, and I would just experiment people. I would encourage people to experiment with that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point about if you're, you know, common run pace is approximately 50 or 60, whatever percent of your true threshold, mm. that just extending beyond that is going to have a ton of value, even if it's not a 100% max effort. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I could not agree more with that. And it, it's funny you mentioned the barbell hero uh, type scenario. And I, I think I might have told this story in the past, but I can remember distinctly, this was at another seminar. This was in the Northeast somewhere, the United States, I think uh, New York. Uh, I can't remember exactly where. But uh, we were doing a lunchtime trainer workout, and I'll keep the names of the guilty out of it so, <laughs> <laughs> so their dignity can be preserved a little bit. But we had a young, at the, at the time, he was a younger member of seminar staff, and he was a you know, pretty hotshot athlete. And uh, the workout we were doing, had rowing and um, I think it was overhead squats. And then the next round was rowing and power snatches. And then the next round was rowing and full snatch. Mm. And the prescribed weight was 95 pounds. The reps weren't that crazy. Um, and there was, I think it was a 500 meter row in between each effort on the barbell. And this individual came up to me and said, hey, you know, I think I'm gonna do the workout at 135 because it's just, I'm going to do the whole thing. I'm broken. It's not going to be that hard. And my response was, well, why don't you keep it at 95 and dedicate each rowing effort to be sub 140 or less? And there's um, a game changer. <laughs> just, just focus on that effort and see if you can hang on during the barbell and, you know, commit to that pace. 
And that was not received with enthusiasm. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and, you know, for good reason, I wouldn't want to do that either. It's way more fun to throw a little bit more weight on the bar and feel like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something over there. Um, mm-hmm. It's a lot less flashy to, to put the hammer down a little bit on those other elements. Uh, but there's a ton of value in that. So I digress. That's not exactly what we're talking about here, but <laughs> it was a fun little exchange of like, oh, I hear you. Okay. Well, yes. How about and, this? And oh, then, no, not interested in that. Okay. <laughs> 100, 100% couldn't agree more. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think that's about all I've got on the sprinting topic. I, I could, yeah, if too. you've got anything else, I'll throw it your way, but I've, I'll leave you with a funny thing as to every now and then when I think my running or sprinting is going okay, I reminisce about this memory and I realize I have so much more room to do because I didn't have a good metric. This is years ago, maybe like six or seven years ago or or longer of what some good times would be on Mm. different sprints, right? I had a better idea of what a good deadlift or back squat was. And so I reached out to somebody far more knowledgeable than me, which was Josh Everett. And, you know, a very fast individual accustomed to sprinting, you know, it gets some serious capacity. And it's like, Josh, you know, I'm going to... Former college strength and conditioning coach. Right. You know, he's got a lot of credentials there. CrossFit, just OG. Yep. Yep. And I was like, look, what should somebody like me, just a, your run-of-the-mill CrossFitter, you know, I wasn't a collegiate sprinter or whatnot, what should be like an an 800-meter run time that I would, that would be considered respectable? Well, I should have called somebody else. He's like, um, (laughs) he's like, you know, somebody like you, yeah, you know, your average CrossFitter should probably be like in the 220s for an 800. I was like, wow, forget it. That was your like, not aggressive kind of normal. I was like, well, I obviously have a long way to go with my sprinting. So point being, and I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago where chances are, I don't know, you know, what we're talking about. We were saying that if you throw out something like sprinting or an L-sit, that most athletes are like, yeah, I could dig into that a lot more. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot more, you know, fruit in that tree that I could do, but I've, I've been neglecting it. So it's, it's easy it's easy to blow up the sprinting. There's so much benefit there that if we can give this individual who asked the question or people in general just some things to try so the sprinting gets worked in, I think it will be a boon to your fitness. But if not, then hopefully you can get yourself on the bike or try something else and, and we'll get you doing something as close to sprinting as we possibly can. And with that, we will wrap up this episode. <laughs> Seems like I just lost Adrian visually, and that actually works out just fine because we were done. So for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood. Uh, we read the comments every time in the BTWB YouTube channel. So post your thoughts. Are you sprinting? Uh, what do you do to make sure that your hamstrings are warmed up? And we'll all get out there and hit the track day together. So for Adrian Bosman and Pat Sherwood, and we will talk next time.